Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today, we are speaking to Peter. Peter is the co-founder and a CEO of Six Sigma Sports. It's an online decentralized uh, sports betting platform uh, on the Cosmos blockchain. Uh, their testnet is live. Their mainnet is, uh, you know, about to go live very, very soon. This is a very interesting conversation. Uh, just simply owing to the fact that I've never really spoken to anybody who has been uh, creating in the sports betting niche uh, and in a decentralized way. So a very interesting conversation with fairly good insights owing to Peter's uh, experience in traditional finance as well and as a market maker and how he's sort of applying that uh, to decentralized sports betting and the USP of the platform as well. So, you know, if you are into fantasy gaming or sports league in any way, this this is a must listen for you. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Let's deep dive right in. Hi, Peter. How are you doing today? Uh, great. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Tusha. Likewise. I'm so glad you could make the time to speak to us and speak to our listeners. So uh, just for our listeners, uh, can you tell us a little about, uh, you know, how you got into Web3 and then perhaps a brief overview about Six, Six uh, Sigma Sports? Uh, and its unique approach to decentralized sports betting uh, in in the Cosmos, uh, you know, ecosystem. Sure. Um, well, my professional background is from traditional financial markets, actually. So I spent the better part of um, 20 years almost uh, mm-hmm. in traditional trading seats, both on the buy side at a, at a credit hedge fund and at, at two investment banks as a market maker. And wow. over the past um, I'd say seven, eight years, I've personally dipped, you know, my interest in and out of blockchain and crypto, initially being exposed to it back in 2013-14, then forgetting about it for a while and revisiting it more recently when we actually when I actually started seeing um applications and the technology being applied to various use cases and starting to see the seeds of different types of businesses. Uh, being developed, uh, you know, probably in 2019, 2020 plus. And then that kind of genuinely piqued my interest again. And, you know, I started iterating on some ideas with some friends and colleagues. And we were kind of exploring how to apply uh, the technology and, and what we were learning to another space to to maybe leverage our own expertise as well in financial markets. And we kind of believed that the sports betting industry um, was a prime opportunity for this uh, technology to be applied to. So sometime you know, in that space, I'd say about a year and a half ago, roughly plus or minus, uh, I made the decision to commit to it full time um, and uh, start and lead this project um, and uh, leave the, the previous career <laughs> and oh, pivot wow. to, to, to combining technology and markets, and in this case, sports betting markets, yeah. Wow, wonderful. That's quite a journey. So, you know, you have extensive background uh, in institutional finance and you've made that leap from Web 2 to Web 3. What was uh, the inflection point, perhaps, for you where you thought that, okay, uh, you know, you need to get into Web 3 now and something about this technology uh, really propelled you to perhaps make that decision? What was that point? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a combination of of both personal uh, reasons and what I was, you know, seeing the potential in, in the industry and the technology. Mm-hmm. But I felt that, you know, this was an opportunity for the industry to start to go more mainstream, to start to apply some of these novel ideas to traditional sectors. 
And personally, I was excited by the opportunity to create. Uh, you know, I think that was a little bit missing at, at some point. I felt after a couple of decades in in traditional finance, I felt like this this excitement you get from creating something, you know, had had vanished. Um, and you know, and and I always believe that you always got to be learning. And I and I felt that I was really curious and really excited to learn more. Um, right deeper into this space. So I think the combination of that and seeing and seeing an industry at its early stage hmm. that that still had so much potential, which which wasn't necessarily always being applied in, in the right way. But but I think um, I think that excited me uh, and and I was willing to uh, to make the, the, the pivot, the transition. I think those are two very compelling reasons, you know, for anybody to uh, make a shift that, uh, A, you know, you're building something and the, just the art and the experience of creation is is so beautiful uh, and it, it makes for a very compelling argument. And uh, as you mentioned, which is, again, something I find very beautifully put, uh, that this is an industry in its infancy. And, you know, when something is starting off, it's, it's actually uh, really wonderful to see how it kind of develops and how it paves its path. Yeah, totally. Wonderful. So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, six, uh, you know, Sigma sports and uh, how, how does it, how, how is it perhaps different from traditional sports betting? Uh, which kind of sports can people bet on? Is it open to everybody? Yes. So um, I'll, I'll take a step back and just talk about the industry as a whole for a little bit and, and yeah. how we're developing it differently. And then we can go into some of the details of the application, but we are, we're basically using the technology uh, in a way to, well, we are improving, we're raising the bar, in our opinion, of the experience that currently exists in the traditional industry and how we're doing that. First of all, I think anytime you're, you can leverage this technology, obviously it brings some, some characteristics, which we can call table stakes to use that term. But, it, you know, transparency um, is one key aspect that is kind of uh, an out-of-the-box feature of mm-hmm. most blockchain tech. And in an industry where, especially especially given the various spectrum of regulated and unregulated markets that exist in sports betting, in an industry where transparency is often lacking, first of all, from a from a asset protection standpoint, there are lots of offshore markets where um, the the transparency involved with moving your funds around is is not there and it's quite opaque and and you don't have the benefit of of that visibility. And also transparency from the user experience in that currently what the end user sees of, of what happens in a sports book is very limited. Uh, okay. To take that even a step further, the way the user is managed um, is, a, is a very different approach to a financial markets approach. It's more like a retail casino approach and, and there's very little visibility up front, right? So users right. are often restricted um, from betting or from accessing certain apps or or heavily limited and a lot of the times you know it it can be done there are there are some reasons and some situations where that's necessary but what i think is never okay is doing it after the fact right so i think really some things sometimes even even if someone isn't happy about an outcome it's often about how how that how that outcome is how that's executed and the way the existing uh, application industry executes it is is that they 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 will take all the information from you all your information all the information about what you want to do and then they're gonna haircut you after um as opposed to making it transparent making it visible up front and and having you know that honest relationship with the user of what you see is what you get 
So the traditional industry um, manages that relationship uh, and has, a, you know, deploys their technology in a different way. Obviously, we also have the speed of settlement that blockchain facilitates, right? So traditionally, a user would often need to wait, you know, in some areas, it could be a day or so, but oftentimes it's many days and some jurisdictions, it could be a couple of weeks to, to um, extract their own funds from an application. We, with the benefit of the tech, can make this near instantaneous subject to some, you know, safety buffers we might have to just capture any erroneous results. But right. otherwise, blockchain facilitates almost immediate um, movement of funds. And we can also bring the benefit of self-custody. So that's another powerful thing is that you don't have to, as a user, you know, deposit your fund with someone to store for you until you want to bet. Mm -hmm. The only time funds are engaged is when you're actually engaged in the activity. At all other times, the funds are in your control, in your self-custodial wallet, um, and you're not trusting the project or the application to, to store and securely manage um, your capital. But furthermore, I'd say what we're doing is we're, we're reimagining the actual business model of the application. So if we look at the traditional industry for a second, we uh -huh. step back, we'll find two general models in the traditional um, sports betting application. One is going to be what let's call a centralized sports book, which is your Bet365s of the world where a user goes on the application to bet and it's the, the company that's on the other side taking those bets. Um, and they're managing their risk and they're mostly managing their risk by managing their customers, but it's, it's very like one directional. Then you do have uh, an exchange model, which is a P2P model of betting, where users can can put up their own price, their own odds of what they think is the right price or where they would want to put a bet on, and they can wait for someone else to come and and take that bet from them. And that's kind of like a P2P exchange model. The centralized sports betting model typically offers a a much better, more premium, um, more fun user experience. The exchange model is a little limiting in that it caters to probably sharp betters or more sophisticated betters or semi-professional betters. A lot of the volume is mostly market makers on those platforms. And the reality is, in my opinion, I don't believe most customers actually want to think about what is the exact right odds for this match and if they should be putting up 1.2 to 1 or 1.6 to 1 or 1.4 to 1. Um, I, I think that loses the entertainment value uh, of engaging in sports betting in the first place. Um, okay. So what we're trying to do is we're 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 reimagining that we're combining a little bit of both and we're delivering a totally new feature a novel feature which is the way we let users engage as the house so as the sports book so we're we're actually offering the opportunity for users to step into the shoes of the sports book and and participate actively actively engaging as a sports book so if I can just describe what that looks like, in addition to traditionally betting on the application like any user would on a centralized sportsbook, which will be uh, available um, and will be a core aspect of what we do, the same users or other users could go pick their favorite sport, their favorite league, their favorite team, or their not favorite team. When they're bet, they could prefer to bet on their favorite team and at all other times engage as the house providing liquidity on other markets. And that user goes to 
let's say we would we could pick a money line bet, which could be like a win loss draw in a in a football match, and they would provide liquidity there and be in the position that a centralized sports book would be in. So, I probably it's probably worth explaining a little bit why that is beneficial hmm. for someone that hasn't spent. Uh, if anyone hasn't spent time studying the markets, right. but you know, the exchanges out there, the, the applications that are modeled on like a P2P sports betting exchange will often use the a phrase similar to what we're saying as be the house. So they'll often use a phrase referencing the house, which implies that the benefit of the house is making your own price. In right. reality, the benefit of the house is more than just making your own price. It's actually being in the position to capture the flow that's coming into the sports book and to benefit from bets on all outcomes that are coming into the sports book. And this allows you to net some of your risk to potentially earn some risk-free PL, or at least it has the potential to minimize your risk. And should your liquidity get used, you also have the potential to then reuse and recycle that capital so it's capital efficient because if you have offsetting risk it basically nets out so this this combination of letting users literally step into the shoes of a sports book be in the position to receive those bets that come in be in the position to benefit from bets coming in on more than one side all of that combined is what makes um what what makes being the position of the house uh, so valuable. And and the other thing that's worth noting is that just to talk about odds for just very briefly um, at a high level, mm. you know, when you see odds on a sporting event, the a sports book's profit margin is implied in those odds. Right. So it's not necessarily just because you don't see a, an explicit fee doesn't mean you're not paying. If, you know, sports books uh, are profitable because over time and over many events, not only do they are they positioned to capture what I described before, not only are they positioned to capture and benefit from bets coming in on multiple outcomes, but they are also, quote unquote, overcharging for the probability of an event. And occasionally that, that goes against them. We have outlier events. No one is perfect at predicting the future. Sportsbook do not always make money on any given day, but they typically do make money over long periods of time and over many events. Uh, and by taking in, uh, you know, that volume of activity. So that's kind of what we're opening up. We're literally opening up that that in a passive way. It's really in an active way. It's a it's a new way to bet because you are still betting, right? Even mm -hmm. sportsbooks, like I mentioned can make or lose money on any given event. But it is a totally new feature that passes through some of the benefits of being in a centralized sportsbook position to a user that wants to engage in that way. Uh, and that that is something that has, has not been a, you know, attempted uh, in or out of the traditional industry. So I'd say that's a differentiator. Both of you were to look at other sports betting applications that are trying to use um, blockchain technology, and it is clearly something that is not available um, in a traditional betting application. But I, I realize I probably put a lot out there. Yeah. So if you want to rewind or, or go back to any point and ask me about it, please feel free.
Sure. So I think what I would perhaps first ask you uh, after all of this information about the platform and why the use of blockchain technology is, um, you know, it becomes very pertinent in setting it apart from, say, uh, the traditional uh, sports betting applications. That That is like profoundly clear. The, the fact that, you know, you have... Uh, uh, you you allow users to be the house and uh, you know benefit from bets on both sides that that is wonderful as well and uh, the fact that they you know have uh, you have self custody uh, that that is again very pro users so this this so all of this i've been able to like sort of absorb but if you had to say explain it uh, explain your platform uh, to somebody who's just starting off i wouldn't say to a 5 year old because that might not be correct but uh, even a sentence or two if you had to explain what the platform does uh, then how would you put it like in just two sentences firstly the, the platform allows you to bet natively uh, with crypto and the platform allows you to, for the first time, uh, engage as the house in a sports book uh, and to to accept the bets as a house with, with the benefits that that brings. Right. Um, now, those benefits are, are what we discussed there. They're, you know, to, to articulate them requires a little bit of detail, um, but it really lets you uh, profit from acting as the house. Right, right. So then, you know, you are in a much stronger position. So and you're able to benefit from both sides of the uh, betting that is taking place, which is, uh, I think, from my limited understanding of, uh, you know, gambling uh, in, in casinos, etc. I, I do understand that, okay, uh, th this this sounds like a really win-win situation for the users. So uh, here, what, what is the kind of traction that you have currently, Peter? Yeah. Before I jump to that, I will just say, you know, just the way I would articulate the, the purpose, right, is actually to to let users benefit from some of the value that they help generate. Right. So okay. so Absolutely. if we think about how the value accrues to various stakeholders in, in an ecosystem, you know, as opposed to the traditional betting applications, which are really one directional over time, they are, um, you know, we've we've designed this. So that the users that most contribute to making a betting application valuable, i.e. the betters, actually mm -hmm. also have the opportunity to, to through their own means, but to capture some of that value accrual. So, so that's, um, you know, I just want to wrap, I just want to kind of zoom out a little bit and, and kind right. of just mention that again um the in terms of well in terms of traction so we are we've recently just launched our mainnet which is the okay. blockchain layer um the application itself for betting is going to go live in the coming weeks okay. so uh we can probably revisit this question in a, a couple months but nice. but we are we are getting we're approaching launch of the application itself so up to, to date wow. we've only ran a couple test nets um at, at various times over the past year but now we're going to be live shortly. This is uh, absolutely, I think, game-changing when it comes to perhaps sports betting. Uh, so, you know, because you have been uh, reimagining perhaps how sports betting can be done, were there any kind of challenges uh, that you did encounter? How did you perhaps turn them into opportunities if you could at all by, you know, innovation? Uh, can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think... Um... I think some of our biggest challenges are probably to come, right? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, we do have the traditional challenges of, of a startup, um, which which are not unique to us. But I think one some of the unique things to us or to our space and to the mm. Web three space 
that I'd probably comment on and and which I, I think are um, have the potential to be both benefits and challenges, but it's really about smoothing out the friction points to for our end users, right? So I you know, I think one of the, you know, self-custody, for example, as one example, is very powerful, right? I believe right. I, I as a user, I would always want to have self-custody as an option at the very least. Right. Not everyone might want to self-custody. Currently, self-custodying involves multiple steps. You have to be comfortable managing your own security, and this is on and off-chain security. Um, so, you know, it is it is understandably not for everyone. I think I think that's going to be one of the big challenges of the space yeah. to, to to reduce that friction point because ultimately, we want to develop a product. That doesn't just appeal to a native crypto audience, which will be our, our first early adopter audience, but but especially with the be the house feature, we want to build a product that will appeal to someone that hasn't considered crypto before for sports betting, right? And because we, we bring it a different experience, a different feature set, we want them to look at this and and want to experience it. But then we don't want them to fall, you know. In the in the steps that it takes to experience it, so I think the biggest challenge, one of the biggest challenges we are going to be facing, is going to be that bridge to to a non crypto user base, and how do we how do we reduce that friction, and how do we, you know, make make it worth their while to to experience a a, a crypto native application. So, you know, I think we haven't we haven't hit the full scope of that yet given we're launching in the coming weeks hmm. but i think that's going to be you know one of the um biggest challenges and and faced by us and and a similar challenge will probably be faced by many applications that are that are being built for a user who may or may not be in crypto today yeah i think that is a challenge for any web3 builder what happens is basically you know the what Web3 technology kind of brings to the table is privacy and, you know, security and uh, a layer of decentralization when it comes to your data, self-sovereignty. But all of these concepts, they are um, very high-level concepts that perhaps do not really matter uh, for in the shorter, you know, term for the end user. They are looking at convenience. They are looking at features that they can perhaps really align with. And uh, this, this is pretty much where I am as well. Like, uh, I, I do feel that over the years, I've, I've been in this Web3 space for now nearly, I think, 12 uh, years, 12, 13, uh, going on 13 years. And I, I do think that the, the technology itself is very beautiful, but, you know, for the people who understand it, for the end users who we are trying to get to for mass adoption, these concepts right. are not their priority, right? They are looking at the features and how their life can become more convenient. And uh, educating them and becoming a part of their day-to-day -day life uh, is is a bit of a challenge. And yes, as you said, it will be one of your bigger challenges, perhaps, you know, working uh, on the UI bit, uh, you know, UI front a little bit, uh, that that might help. And, you know, having the feature where uh, the user themselves can be the house, I think that will be pretty uh, much a USP for you uh, because, you know, that that is something that these, the, your target audience, uh, you know, people who are already using sports betting platforms, they will understand already, right? Yeah. And that is something they will they will perhaps align with better rather than um, Tom Tomming that, okay, it's on Web3 because 
it's fine. Like a lot of people are on the internet. They don't necessarily understand how the internet works. Uh, so these folks can be on a Web3 application uh, because of the other features and they don't necessarily need to, you know, align with the, the Web3 technology in general. Exactly. I mean, like you said, I think ultimately we need to start ticking some of those boxes before right. as an industry, we can we can have a chance at reaching some kind of mass adoption. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that is very well put. Uh, and I love how, you know, you already had that insight uh, that, that, you know, you foresee this as being a bigger challenge. So how would you perhaps uh, tackle this challenge? Like, would you, uh, do you believe that education is the way to go, like uh, educating your customer? And how would you go about doing that? Or, or would you rather that, you know, you're building a community uh, and then moving on from there, uh, trying to see if it'll catch on like a network effect? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, hmm. And and I think, and I know there are some other projects out there that are, that are working on um, solutions to streamline, the, you know, the, the steps involved in self-custody without changing okay. the, I guess, the underlying technology, but to make it a little more user-friendly. Um, so I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a little bit of an education game. It's you know, educating on the benefits and educating on the steps, but also I think we need the technology, the infrastructure just to maybe come to one further generation of development where um, some of the more annoying, for lack of a better word, steps are just abstracted away a little. And, and I think, I think, I think the combination of both um, and also you know, hopefully offering a reason for people to really take the time. And by offering something different, I think we and other projects have a chance of doing that. Um, I think all those three things coming together and maybe the next one, two years is really a prime time for, for all three of those, you know, paths to, to meet and really like elevate and move forward um, the whole UX that's around Web3. But I think it's going to take a little bit of everything. Yeah, that that is true. It's going to be a bit of a mix of both. And um, there's a need to iterate, like, you know, you can try out something and see if it works. So pretty much like uh, experimenting and then finding a way there. Can you uh, tell me a little about how is 6-6 Sports different, say, from platforms like um, Beddex? And I think Lunafy also does decentralized sports betting. And there was also another one, I think Dex Sports. Uh, how, how are you different uh, from these other platforms? Well, yes, um, I, I I would say the main dif- you know the main difference that I've seen from other applications trying to also use blockchain technology is that those applications those applications I'm not you know generally as a whole applications using blockchain fall into like two categories you know the way I've come across them one is they're really traditional apps under the hood that are just using a payment provider or or some payment rails to accept crypto. Um, and it's kind of like a, it's really a web two app underneath uh, that's linked to web three payment rails. Or there are some applications like some of the ones you mentioned that, that are trying to do something a little more natively um, with a tech stack and blockchain. However, what I've seen so far is really them trying to take the, the same, a similar or exactly the same model that exists in like a traditional betting exchange application and just put it on a blockchain. And and maybe there's some marginal benefits to that, but I think the argument is hard to make that that those marginal benefits um, 
by just doing that supersede the hurdles you introduce as well. So, you know, I, I really think that one of the, you know, as we mentioned, the Be The House feature, the way we've designed it, um, mm. it's unique. And, and that really involves reimagining the business model, not just the technology stack. So it's really the combination of both that I'd say currently separates us from, from other applications that I've seen. Right. Okay, wonderful. So, you know, moving on uh, a little bit more uh, to perhaps, or moving back actually to the user experience aspect, how do you um, intend to enhance the, you know, user experience? Because in Web3, that is that is always a bit of a challenge. And, you know, you've also mentioned that the steps for self-custody obviously are a little tedious and there are platforms that are solving it, but uh, you know, it's it's still a path, uh, and it's still this. It's like work in progress. So, is there anything specifically that you guys have done to the platform uh, for the UI so that the UX is better for uh, the end user? Yes. Well, so self, like you mentioned, self custody. Uh, despite the hurdles there, just it does introduce a, a level of control over the user's funds that doesn't exist on traditional platforms. So there's that. On the UI side, we, you know, uh, it's it's not um, in production in the app. Now we are developing and we are exploring various ways that we can leverage the transparency that's offered by the blockchain to really refresh the UI, to really provide the user more information visually and through data, but more information about what's the action that's that's taking place, what's happening in the sports book. Um, so that is one element where we're currently exploring. So I can't define for you the exact feature yet, but mm. we are planning on on experimenting with ways that we can use some of the some of the basics that the blockchain tech stack you know makes available to us in order to really to really enhance that UI and make it more exciting. Wow. We are we do have a couple other things in the pipeline yeah. that I can't really talk about yet because <laughs> they're sure. kind of in, in a pre-development phase, but okay. but um but yeah. Are you gonna be uh, mobile friendly as well? So we are gonna be mobile friendly, not not with a native app to start. It's gonna be a PWA app, right. um, but we will be mobile friendly for sure. Excellent. And yeah. yeah. So what are the kind of sports then people that people can bet on uh, using your application and platform? So to, yeah, to start, it's really gonna be opening up with uh, football, your you know soccer and crickets, right. uh, um, given. You know, it's a combination given the the global audience those sports have, yeah. the global um, audience they also have in sports betting in particular, and and our, our focus, which is not going to include the U.S. to start, um, it makes, you know, I think prime market for really for us to roll out the app. And then we do plan uh, on adding additional um, sports, um, potentially even fantasy sports at some stage in in the medium term but i think probably something like tennis might be soon to follow along with potentially the nba um mm. before we um grow that so it's going to be it's going to you know the portfolio of sports let's say is going to and leagues will will increase um as we go brilliant so your platform is going to be um a global in a nature like catering to a global audience or are because of any compliance we, we, uh, yes you know, so, I mean, 
Yeah, there are, there are the the regulatory landscape uh, right. of blockchain, crypto, and and sports betting is very nuanced, jurisdiction right. by jurisdiction. So um, I can't like go into a lot of detail because it's going to vary depending on what we're talking about. However, it is it is a globally focused application. With that said, we are going to be excluding certain jurisdictions that the application is not going to be available in. For example, I could tell you to start that will exclude the U.S. and the U.K., but we are going to be very focused on, on you know, uh, regulating markets that have large sports audiences um, and, and markets where, where sports betting is, is becoming more mainstream. That makes sense. So given your background in uh, managing you know, single name credit risk. How does uh, your platform address and manage risks in the decentralized betting ecosystem? Yes. So, so risk management is um, is an interesting topic in our platform because we're gonna either you know every user well every user is gonna have their own risk to manage. They could be doing right. things on and off our platform. They could be using multiple platforms. Um, mm-hmm. We are also going to be an operator alongside users in the sports book. We are going to have our own risk limits um, in place. And, and that will that will vary and change over time, depending on the activity, it's gonna be dynamic. But in, in a second version of the house functionality, for example, and this comes, you know, this also probably will highlight without, without going off on a tangent into too much detail, but this will also highlight how risk is managed in traditional, in the traditional sports betting industry to a large extent versus how we want to manage it you know, uh, coming from financial markets, risk is managed really based primarily on the activity and, mm. and the trades and the risk that you actually take on, right? The sports betting industry largely works differently. It has a tradition, more traditional casino approach to managing risk. And that is you, you don't manage risk um, by the actual flow of activity. You're managing risk at the at the customer so that you're really managing the customer you're not managing your risk and this this goes this kind of distills to the fact that over time you know just like a casino bets on the the math probabilities working over time over time they will win uh sports betting has adopted a similar approach in that over time a sports book should be profitable so what they do is they manage any customer that's winning too much instead right. so you know, for in our old world, in traditional markets, you do not have that luxury. In fact, a lot of what happens in the sports betting market today would probably be illegal in financial markets. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't manage our customers. Sometimes our customers were the smartest people in the industry, right? And and were and they out-resourced us as a market maker. However, that didn't mean we could we, you know, we could limit their activity. We wanted their activity and we needed to manage our risk by managing the risk itself. And that that goes into, there are tools to do this. There are, there are techniques you could use to do this. One is, for example, by adjusting pricing in a more dynamic way, which the sports industry, most of the sports books, except for a couple large ones that are involved in really setting the lines early on in a period. But most sports books copy odds and they just bet on the math working out. And if anyone is winning too much, they limit the risk. We're planning in a, in, a, in a second version of the house functionality to actually make that much more dynamic, to, to make the markets and the pricing more dynamic for the activity and the flow that the sports book is taking. So we're kind of, we're kind of introducing some 
financial markets um, practices in terms of how risk can be managed. But that's like, I would say that's V2 uh, of the house functionality. V1 is, is more simple. All right, okay. Which kind of relies on just um, just some uh, strict limits. Okay, awesome. And just from the user perspective again, uh, you know, because you, we talked a little about the regulatory uh, landscape and, you know, how that might limit uh, some users from accessing your platform. But what are the steps that, you know, your, you have taken personally as the founder uh, to ensure compliance? Well, I think I would say the steps that every founder should take, which right. is proper proper due diligence uh, mm-hmm. on the markets that you want to target. Um, so, you know, so it is really, it is really educating yourself and getting the proper advice, um, not just for your domestic market, but for markets that you want to reach. You know, and it's uh, it's also a bit educational because the regulatory landscape, not just in crypto, but also in sports betting is dynamic. There are a lot of markets that are opening up right now that are in the process of regulating. Um, it is kind of understanding where markets are on that path. And, mm. you know, even, even the opportunity to to be involved um, at an early stage as 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 those markets take shape, you know, exists for certain countries. So. You know, I'd say it um, it really is about education, getting quality advice and and, you know, and just being prepared. That's that's sound advice. That's sound needy. Uh, so moving on uh, to perhaps, uh, you know, taking a larger uh, look at blockchain adoption in general beyond sports betting. Where else do you see this technology making a significant impact in, you know, the broader financial and gaming industries? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really excited to uh, I'm excited by the technology in a couple areas. I mean, I think gaming has I think it has a lot of potential in gaming. Right. I think how value talking about value accrual in an ecosystem and in an application, I think breaking down some of these walled gardens and having giving the opportunity to to users to own assets and to make that asset portable uh, across blockchains, across ecosystems, even across games. Um, you know, while while some of those technological hurdles there are probably underestimated, mm. um, especially by me because I'm not a game designer, but nevertheless, you know, I think that has huge potential to really change the, the business model of gaming and and the user experience. Uh, I you know I also think I was really excited there to to see how some projects or some individuals were. We're trying to utilize the technology to benefit creators because that to me should be kind of like a very streamlined, easy win. But as as a creator, having the opportunity to monetize consumption of your creation, whatever that might be, whether it's art, whether it's educational, but having that not only be transparent, but almost automated and and persistent into the into the future i think that's super powerful for creators um and right now i think um, you know it feels to me as an outsider speaking but it does feel to me that creators lose the power they have past like t0 past the point of creation and that initial whether it's a sale or that initial production or that initial pub- publication 
right? But after that point, the 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 value and, and the control doesn't accrue to the creator mm. uh, as much as it could. I think blockchain does have a lot of potential um, to play there as well. Right. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. That is a wonderful perspective, I think, and especially coming some from you know someone like you who's had uh, a massive experience in institutional finance uh, space. I think, and you know, you you do bring a unique perspective because now you're working in uh, the sports betting space with uh, the new financial world. So that that's those are very interesting insights. Uh, now you know, moving on, we've talked a lot about business side of sports betting, and uh, I would love to take talk a little about perhaps a you know a personal moment from your end like what, what has been your most memorable sports fan moment or is there any game or event that you still get excited uh about uh you know in in the larger scheme of things um you know when i i would say so when i first um came to to the uk many years ago i had the opportunity at the time to regularly go see arsenal and yeah. uh and that's when Thierry Henry was playing and watching him play. I mean, people will disagree on, on but watching him play, he played with an ease and mm. a comfort that yeah. was kind of like, it was kind of like watching Michael Jordan play basketball or watching, um, or, or, or Valentino Rossi, like, uh, you know, race a motorbike. One time I remember seeing how they, they, they had some, uh, monitoring equipment strapped to, to Valentino Rossi versus other racers and his yeah. heart rate, his heart rate was at the, at the pace of like a 12 year old playing a game versus right. every other racer was like super elevated and under high stress. Right. And, you know, it's watching. So I, I do have memories of moving to the UK, getting into football, going to Arsenal matches, and and kind of watching Thierry Henry play with the ball. Right? It's almost like he was the one out there on the field having fun. Um, and uh, and you know, so that that's like, you know, I'd say pleasant memory. I'd say that's probably that's probably one as I started to get into football more with the move to the UK and and my first exposure to really following a team and a player on this side of the pond i'd say that was it <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful i think you know that is what these greats do they kind of make it look easy and yeah <laughs> right and they get into flow state and they are really enjoying the process and i think that is a part of what makes them great yeah exactly so i think that's amazing to watch i actually regret even though i grew up in the u.s i actually regret never never having seen michael jordan play in person uh, uh <laughs> so uh but yeah but that's you know watching watching players like that uh i think is really um is really exciting it's very rewarding as well i think uh you know watching anybody uh do something that they're really good at i i think that can be so rewarding to watch because you know you you feel your the, their joy is so um palpable that you know you you take a little a bit of that joy home with you after yeah. witnessing something like that yeah exactly so now, you know, on to another fun question. If you could create like a blockchain-based fantasy league, um, you know, on your platform uh, for any sports or activity, uh, what would it be? And uh, who would you want as your hypothetical star player or participant? Oh, I mean, I, you know, this is, uh, this is I, actually, I probably wouldn't be able to put together a whole team right now. I think... Um, I think I would, I, I mean, I like basketball as a sport. Um, 
and and how can you not uh, have the opportunity? How can you turn down the opportunity to include Michael Jordan in in any uh, team lineup? So I probably that would be my starting point. <laughs> but um, but you know I think now we're probably getting back to the product and and fantasy is actually something I would love to explore more. Um, it, it really it really requires a little bit more nuance, of it, you know, to kind of get it the right model for blockchain. But but hopefully this is going to be an area where we are we are developing uh, something very shortly. Wow, brilliant. Awesome. That's super exciting. So, um, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation and I completely lost track of time. So now I, I need to perhaps ask you my very last question uh, that I ask everybody who comes on this uh, podcast. Uh, you know, you've made that leap from Web 2 to Web 3, uh, like uh, we've talked about before. If you had to give somebody, uh, you know, top two or three suggestions. Uh, what would be those suggestions for them to start living on blockchain and make a similar leap like you did? Um, you know, I, I would say, well, first of all, I would say, you know, if if you have the itch, if, you know, if you're excited and you're naturally curious, it's a great space um, right. to, to be in and I would encourage it. I would say, though, if you if you are going to develop something new a new application new project hmm. um i'd say don't just it's not enough to just take something that exists in the traditional world throw it on a blockchain and assume everyone's going to love it because it's on a blockchain and that should make it better right okay. i think you have to actually objectively try and evaluate every application you have to compare it to what's in crypto what's out of crypto and and hopefully you have ideas on how it can be better than both. Um, so, you know, I would say, you know, blockchain and, and crypto and crypto assets in general have a lot of potential. Um, but that doesn't mean they automatically make everything better. Right. So Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's definitely I think that's the only that's the question that I would ask myself or that I would suggest everyone ask themselves before they commit to an idea. But then. I would say totally if if you're excited by by you know by pioneering new paths testing new ideas and creating I'd say there's probably not a you know not a more exciting industry right now to be in Absolutely the, those are good suggestions and I think uh, what you said I you know resonate with completely not everything you know is is required to be on on this particular uh, technology not everything has to be decentralized but uh, this is a very very exciting space to be in considering again going back to you know what you had said uh, this is an industry still it's in infancy and it's exciting to watch it grow and uh, perhaps mature further so this has been wonderful uh, thank you so much peter for taking out the time to speak to me any parting thoughts before we wrap this up uh, no, I really appreciate the time. It was it was great uh, speaking with you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you.